Welcome to Lessons in Life and Love with Rihanna Milne, where we show you how to have the positive mindset for success in all life areas. It's time to have the life you desire and the love you deserve. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Show 51 of the Lessons in Life and Love podcast. I'm your host and global life and love coach, Rihanna Milne, coming to you every Friday on LessonsInLifeAndLove.com and my app, Lessons in Life and Love, on the go. I'm all about helping you transform your life in all areas into one that you're passionate about and to help you attract and have the love that you deserve. I'm on a mad mission to change the way the world loves. So you'll learn how to have emotionally healthy, evolved, and conscious love and how to avoid toxic, painful, traumatic relationships, which seem too prevalent today. It's time to help you create the life that you desire and to have the love that you deserve. So if you have a personal concern, I invite you to meet with me for a Life and Love Transformation Discovery Session during the week. Just sign up at my website, rihannamilne.com. Okay, let's dive in, Love Angels and Transformers. Today we have an interesting show. I am actually being interviewed by my youngest, beautiful, amazing daughter, Alexi Panos. Not only is she a great kid, but she's an amazing mega entrepreneur. Here's a little bit about her, because this show is for her podcast called Unleashed with Alexi Panos. Alexi is a life, love, and business strategist who shares both deep wisdom and practical tools to help unleash your most powerful life. Alexi has been named as one of Forbes' top 11 women entrepreneurs, Inc. Magazine's top 10 entrepreneurs changing the world, one of Origin Magazine's top 100 creatives changing the world, is the winner of the Millennial Mentor Award. A featured cover story about her can be found in Inspired Coached, Millennial Magazine, and Elixir Magazine, and is a featured expert in the films The Abundance Factor, Rise Up, and The Age of the Entrepreneur. As a bestseller, she's authored the books 50 Ways to Yay and Now or Never, both sold by Simon & Schuster. Alexi is on a mission to make personal development mainstream through her books and digital content, live experiential trainings, online education, and working with her nonprofit charity, Epic, standing for everyday people initiating change, which puts freshwater wells and other programs in Tanzania, Africa. Follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Alexi Panos, and her website is alexipanos.com. That's A-L-E-X-I-P-A-N-O-S. She's also an amazing mom, as well as a beautiful daughter. So here is her podcast called Unleashed, where she's interviewing me and we're having a great conversation where you will learn so much about the mindset for success, how to excel in business, what are business blocks, and how to overcome blocks that could be stopping you in excelling in life, love, and career due to unhealed childhood wounds. Enjoy. This is part one of two interviews with us. Part two will be airing next week. All right. So I am here with my mom. Hey, baby. (laughs) um, Who actually happens to be an expert in relationships and trauma and altogether just helping humans live a more amazing life. So, you know, I get it from my mom and that's what people say. And um, she's actually been here spending time with myself in Kingston. Yay. Yeah. We (laughs) thought it'd be really great to jump on and have a conversation around attracting our person because as you know, mom, a lot of people look up to Preston and I and they see our relationship and we're mm-hmm. in this conscious couple and we have our son and like I want that I want that yeah, for myself. Yeah it's beautiful to see it. It's amazing but it also. Especially takes, as a mom. Yeah it's I mean you want your kids to be happy and in a 
loving relationship and I feel so blessed, yeah. first of all, with you and Steph and now to have two sons, yeah, Preston and Charles. It's really a blessing to see the family grow and you both be so happy. Yeah. Important. And it takes work, right? Oh, and, it does. And, and that's something that I try and share as much as I can on my platform is like this didn't just happen overnight. It happened mm -hmm. because... Both Preston and myself have done a lot of internal work. That's super important. That is the main thing. And the research shows, you know me, I'm all about research and science. <laughs> I took the more traditional route of the psychotherapist for now 20 years in private practice. But the research that I did around the work that I do, the, one of the things that really stuck out to me is two faith-based people, mm -hmm. spiritually based. It doesn't matter about religion. We're not talking religion. Yeah. But two faith-based people who live a certain way 24 7 yeah spiritual is a way of being right yeah. and you grew up listening to a lot of the masters Dalai yeah. Lama Wayne Dyer Deepak Chopra Marianne Williamson because I was into that yeah. as a young girl in my 20s and when we drove to Philly I would play cassettes <laughs> you know to keep me awake because yeah. you two were little in the car and I remember you saying I like to listen to it too and you were yeah. like six seven eight yeah so you grew up so much hearing the masters you know yeah. which was wonderful and it's never too late to learn these lessons, right? Totally, totally. And when you can meet someone with that same kind of grounding, and it's a moral fiber, yeah. right? Integrity yeah. is huge for happiness in a relationship, which I define to my people, doing the right things when nobody's looking. Yeah. And that's a way of being. Yeah, right? and I think, too, for people who get tripped up on the word spiritual, because some mm -hmm. people do, it's just that you're in touch with your values. You're in right. touch with what matters most to you. You're in touch with being the best human being, being the best version of you that That's you can right. be. This is what I define as evolved, yeah. being your highest and your best self. Yeah. Not only for yourself, which builds confidence and self-esteem, then you like who you are and then your aura just glows. Yeah, and that's the thing, that's you know, big. people people think, oh, I gotta, I gotta look better, I gotta lose the weight, and we've all seen that person, whether it's at a nightclub or a restaurant mm -hmm. or walking down the street, that may not have the exterior as we think it should be, but they're glowing. They're glowing, and they it's radiate the and that, aura. Yeah, and that yes. that is so attractive. You just can't get enough of that's it. That's right, and that is self love. Yeah, the aura comes from self love. And where does that come from? From knowing that you're a good and kind person, yeah. right? You're always monitoring that 24-7. Being evolved, if you have two evolved people, that is the best success for a relationship. Yeah. And it's very difficult when you have one evolved spiritual person, I still relate to it as spiritual, and one is not. Yeah. And in the beginning, they say, but I want to be. Teach yeah. me. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And fortunately, so being authentic, you <laughs> yeah. know, that's what happened in my relationships. I had people I loved for many reasons, but they were not authentically spiritual. Yeah. And they lacked the moral integrity. Yeah. In a and that's important, especially Huge. for anyone listening to this podcast. I usually get people who are in the work. They love reading self-help, psychology, mm -hmm. philosophy. So they're often on that path of evolution. Right. And... It is hard sometimes to find somebody who's genuinely on that path or genuinely wants it for themselves. Because sometimes we fall in love and it's like, well, you want that for me, so I want that for me, mm -hmm. right? But we really have to genuinely want it for ourselves. That's right. Not settling yeah. and putting ourselves into the communities as we were talking about together, mm -hmm. you know, to find that partner yeah. that is also already spiritually grounded. Yeah. Right. And what that means for those of you listening, that means go to the places where the people that you would want to hang out with are, are hanging out. <laughs> 
Yes, that's true. <laughs> go to the Barnes and Nobles, go to personal development workshops, go to inspirational conferences, go wherever you need to go to put yourself in that environment where those people can actually find you and you can find your people. And a spiritual center. Yeah. And I moved down to Delray Beach, Florida. I found Unity Church, which I liked, and then the minister left, and I'm like, oh, I got to find my people. Yeah. And I went to seven, eight different centers. And I finally found CSL, Center for Spiritual Living. And I'm like, yes, they were doing an Ernest Holmes message. Yeah. They're like, I found my people. And, yeah. I said, yeah. and it feels very good to be amongst people who believe like you do. Yeah, yeah. and it it's just wonderful. feels like less work to be yourself. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, people get me. I don't have to try and explain myself. And I understand them. And I can also learn from them. And exactly. they're teaching me. And that's inspiring. But yeah. let's get to the nitty gritty. Because there's a lot of people that are on the spiritual path. They're mm -hmm. working through their evolution. They're clear on their values. But they may not realize that there's some blockages that are standing in the way of potentially keeping and sustaining the love that they find. Yes. What are those? I discovered through my own personal journey, it's really childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. Okay. And in my triple masters, we did not study this at all. This was yeah. not discovered. This was not brought up. And I went to school in year 2000. God, gotta love our educational Oh my system. God. <laughs> That's so, a whole other podcast. <laughs> as you know, when I discovered I was married to what I define as a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde personality type, mm -hmm. that means if you know the book, the movie, and watch it again with this information in mind, it's amazing how yeah. clear that message comes out. Dr. Jekyll is the face to society. Yeah. Charming, outgoing. Everyone loves them. They love you. You're, everyone wants to be that couple. Amazing. And then Mr. Hyde, so appropriately named, is a hidden personality type yeah. that they encompass and they are behind the scenes or the dark side or their shadow. Right. right? right. And they are ashamed of it but they are compelled or addicted to be in that dark space. Mm. They still love their partner. Like, I don't believe that he didn't love me. He yeah. did. Yeah. But it was so devastating when he was discovered, yeah. you know, doing what he was doing within the school systems and was fired. And then it affected us as a couple, him as a person. He ran away from the community. I was left to handle all the Q&A. Yeah. Where are you guys? Yeah, we love you guys. And it was yeah. very traumatic. Yeah. So my pain brought me to my purpose and my passion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of helping others with childhood or love trauma. Now that would have been a love trauma. Yeah. And as he was leaving, he goes, I don't know why I sabotage everything I love. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm going to figure out why. Yeah. And that started my journey to the research. Yeah. And writing my book, Love Beyond Your Dreams, yeah. which is 400 pages and much of the research that I found cut into that. I knew that my partner was ACOA, which is adult child of an alcoholic. So okay. that information was out there. I knew his father was a horrible alcoholic and he endured physical beatings and yeah. the family came from lack. Yeah. Now, would ACOA also include anyone who's got any addiction? Yes. It would. Okay. Yes. Well, the initial research was about the alcoholic child. Got it. Okay, and then they grow up to be an adult with several personality things that are ruining them in relationships, Got right? It. Okay. So then when I was describing it, it's ACOA and I added and other traumas. Yeah. yeah. Okay, because as, I've got pills and all well, the other as things. I'm studying it, and then, then I looked at my own work in 20 years, I'm working with adolescents in drug and alcohol rehab centers. Yeah. I'm working with women from the prison system. Yeah. I'm working in the schools with kids of trauma, every grade level, kindergarten through college. 
college and I was a counselor, the kids that were upset saw the bullies are being bullied or the ADHD defined children, Uh, just anyone having trauma at home. So I'm looking at all my years of work and it's like I worked with trauma for 20 years. And then my clients in front of me, I started putting this list together. So my list is just called the Childhood Trauma Checklist, right? Simply named. (laughs) Nice and easy. I thought through all the populations that I worked with and started making this list. And a couple of years ago, I discovered the Kaiser Permanente list mm-hmm. called ACEs, yeah. Adverse Childhood Events. Okay. And I looked at their list, and it was different than mine. Huh. I said, well, isn't that interesting? Because they said, if you had a parent with drug and alcohol addiction, yeah. but that was it. Mine yeah. says, because I'm an addiction specialist too, right, right? right? Drugs, alcohol, sex, which means chronic cheating, right. porn addiction, yeah. eating, hoarding, spending. Technology. Um, gaming. Yeah. Gaming is now in the DSM for yeah. psychologists. TV, workaholism. I'm so glad workaholism's in there because that's one that society will celebrate. Mm. And we often don't recognize that that's a way of escaping. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So we have to keep balance on it, you and I. Yeah, exactly. prone to that, my dear. We've got it in our blood. (laughs) Oh, we sure do. But then I know why. Yeah. Because my mother was very demanding that we perform. Right. Right. To get a compliment from her. And I was telling my children because they grew up being constantly told, I love you, and kisses and hugs. And they're like, get away from me. Mom, you know, <laughs> even when they were teenagers, I'm like, too bad. You know, I want to always tell you how much I love you because I never heard that. Yeah. I finally taught my mom to tell me she loved me at age 24. Right. That I defined under verbal abuse. Yeah. How about I go into the 10 traumas? Yeah, let's, let's hear them. And that I define through my work. Okay. And I can tell you where some of the differences were between Kaiser's list and my list. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the first one now... As we're talking about this, I do ask the listeners, if they're curious, to get a piece of paper and a pen and make three columns. The first column is me, yourself. Okay. Second column is someone you remember struggling with, so a partner. Yeah. And the third one, current or past. Okay. And the third one is parent. Yeah. And if you remember your mom or dad talking about a story that they grew up with, that put mom, dad, or both. Got it. Because the research shows childhood trauma goes through at least three generations, at least. Yeah. Okay. And also, as we go through this list, it's very important that you know it's not about blame or shame. Right. Nothing to feel ashamed of. You were just an innocent child. You could do nothing in yeah. your, about your home environment. And second, we're not looking to blame your mom and dad at this stage of life. We're yeah. looking for forgiveness, which right. is the highest spiritual concept out there, and understanding. Yeah. Because you can't change what you don't understand exactly. or acknowledge, yeah. right? Yeah. So we're looking at this as a fact. Here we go through the list. The first one is any addiction in the home. Yeah. <laughs> so I just named that yeah. in, in mom or dad or your caretaker. Second one is verbal abuse, and most people identify that, like Kaiser, like mom and dad screaming at each other, or domestic violence. Now, I identified it as coming to you as well. So if you were being yelled or screamed at, if you were having verbal put-downs, you're no good, you amount to nothing, your opinion doesn't matter. Right, you're um, better seen, not heard. That's right, things like that. You weren't told I love you or given compliments. So neglect as well, emotional neglect. That's a three. Ah, okay. Okay. (laughs) Hang on tight, baby, I gotcha. (laughs) Okay, so anything verbal. Yeah. Whether... Missing, I don't hear I love you. Okay. All right. Number three is emotional abuse or neglect. Got it. And that also tends to lean into abandonment, but I'll go into that when it's its own category. One of the research showed even in our generation, the baby boomer, they're working single mom. Nine to five was typical work day. And if kids came home at three o'clock, they let themselves in. They call that latchkey kids, right? Latchkey kids. And it's like, call me, let me know you're safe. But the studies show that was a form of neglect. Yeah. 
because the kid was still anxious. Yeah. Even because they were home alone, right? But even though the mom was trying to support their children by bringing home income. Okay, so the next one is physical abuse, like beatings. Yeah. Rape or molestation. Yeah. And that could have happened inside or outside of the home. Yeah. Next one is abandonment. And they didn't even have abandonment in Kaiser list. Which is shocking. Which is shocking to me. Because <laughs> with yeah. all the people I work with, too, we have abandonment come up so much of course, in the trauma huge. we do. Me, too. Massive. Yep. And I define two categories, fault and no-fault abandonment. Very important. No-fault abandonment would be if a parent dies early. Yeah. Okay, if they go off to serve war. Yeah. And like my situation, if they worked to support the family mostly away from home. Right. Now, my dad, as Lexi knows, was CIA and FBI. My dad was like James Bond. Handsome, charming, beautiful man, really cool. And when he was home, very loving and affectionate. Yeah. So that's where we got our nurturing from. So yeah. I always would ask, when's daddy coming home? When's yeah. And my mom didn't know where he was. Yeah. So she was pissed off. Mom, family of five kids. And understandably so. She sure, didn't have sure. her husband there. She didn't know where he was. Right. She wasn't getting the right information even when she was getting information. Exactly. Yeah. As an adult woman, as I was coming to age, I could understand looking back. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't want a husband doing that either. Right. But did love our father. But that was one of mine. Yeah. The abandonment. Okay. So the next one is is if you're a part of foster care, mm -hmm. adoption, or had to go live in another home because your parents couldn't keep you in that house. Yeah. Okay. That was not on the Kaiser list. Hmm. Now, remember, I, yeah. I worked for Atlanta Care Hospital Group, the adolescent ward. I saw the yeah. kids who were adopted and uh, from yeah. foster care. Fos and foster like, care and adoption. Yeah. I mean, there's so much abandonment and just issues of unworthiness of like nobody right. wants me that's right yeah that's right yeah that's that's challenging so i'm thinking why was that not on their list that's okay i'll continue to use mine because yeah. <laughs> that really my list is the what i really need to help somebody from yes yeah, it feels more complete based on your work yes yeah okay then the next one is the most popular in most people which is personal trauma is what i call it and this is if you were ever bullied put down didn't feel good enough born with some kind of a medical issue maybe even asthma or identified adhd yeah just dyslexic yeah. yeah anything like that where you felt different not good enough didn't yeah. fit in you weren't part of the cool crowd yeah and ironically trauma number seven is the one that propels people to success the most yeah so all the people, and this is why I love documentaries and biographies. I've mm -hmm. been reading biographies since I've been a young girl. But they always show this trauma that propelled them to feed the nourishing of their ego that they wanted so badly. Right. Like, I am good enough. I right. Good enough. Because I we didn't hear enough. it at home. Yeah. yeah. And then our work gave us that nourishing, but they didn't learn for relationships what to do. Yeah. yeah. So that piece is so missing. That's who I usually work with, successful in business, but struggle in love. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just can't so get the people. love piece. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, and just a side note on that, a lot of people who have success in life, that fills the cup, so yeah. to speak. Like it fills That's that emptiness. Nourishing. It's yeah. nourishing in a way. And then they come to a relationship and they don't get nourished in that same way or validated in that same way. Because right. a relationship is a powerful mirror. Right. You know, it can be validating, but it can also be challenging. Right. And that can be hard for the person who's used to being so good at work mm -hmm. and getting it at work. And also the nourishing could be so much that the workaholism has kicked in a little of course. and they can't balance the relationship and then the partner gets resentful. Of course. Yeah. Because they're working all the time. Which we 
see a lot these days. Yes. Yeah. So we have to look at that. So trauma number seven is one of the biggest. And that was one of mine. You yeah. know, I found my nourishing mm-hmm. <laughs> through my work mm-hmm. because I love to help people. And that gave me that validation of I am worthy. Yeah. Right. Because I can help. Work in the world. I'm doing God's work, yeah. you know, because I'm very spiritual. Um, I'm a minister. So <laughs> that felt good for me. Okay. So the next one is sibling trauma. Yeah. Now, this one's very interesting. The sibling could have been bullying you. They could have been born with a medical issue, which commanded more yes. of mom's and dad's time. Yeah, right? we have a lot of people that come in with that trauma specifically. Okay, so a that's lot. a big one. Or you perceived your sibling to be the golden child. Yeah. They got more of mom's and dad's attention. So it could have been they were more intellectually superior, more handsome or beautiful perceived in your mind. Right. Or the athletic one, the star right. athlete, right? And you weren't athletic. We were always going to their games. Yes, <laughs> yes, yep. So that's the sibling trauma. Yeah. The next one is actually two categories because I have more categories than 10. Yeah. I just talk about 10. But I combined here family trauma and community trauma. Now, community trauma would be like our mass shootings. Oh, yeah. Our school shootings yeah. that impact so many of us. And any Mother Nature event, mm, floods, hurricanes. fires, hurricanes, mudslides, anything where mass communities are impacted. Yeah. Would you consider in that like a cultural trauma? Like, yes. obviously, we live in America where we have a lot of kind of underlying racism. Well, the and whole immigration right immigration now is right huge now. community. Huge. Where a whole group of people don't feel, quote unquote, welcomed yes. by the majority. Obviously, a yes. lot of us welcome them. And it's very traumatic. Now you're seeing little children on the oh, news report why they take my daddy from work. I cannot. Right? And unfortunately for our children, I, I worry for my grandsons that... You know, it's getting worse and worse. The I community know. trauma, it wasn't as bad as when you t- were children. You could yeah. go outside and play and we didn't right. worry so much. And right. now you have to really watch everything. Yeah. And then the other one is family trauma, number nine. Family trauma would be if you remember growing up with lack or poverty. Yeah. My dad wasn't there, but every time he walked in the door, there was a fight about money. Yeah. Lack, yeah. right? And that was some piece I always have to work on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always calling you out for it on that. I'm like, Mom. <laughs> Abundance. Treat, Let's treat go. yourself. It's okay. Yeah. So I have like been you traveling. Can spend some of your money. It's okay. I have been traveling more, but I'm always worried. Like I don't want to burden my kids, and do I have enough for retirement? Yeah. And even as you were growing up, here's my will. I yeah. want you guys to know you're okay because I never got that security. Right. right. So. That was one for me, too. And so as I'm seeing it, because initially I thought, well, he has all these traumas. Oh, my God, it's all him. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, my God. All right, so I have to look at the ones that I had. Because when I went through this, I was in PTSD shock. I totally was because I was so thrown off. And I didn't have any answers. And yeah. I had seven psychotherapist friends. And I right. went to all of them. It's like, we love him. I right. don't know why he did that. He's he just crazy. He was totally normal. <laughs> right. So nobody had any answers. Also, that goes into that whole thing. They were only seeing a piece of the puzzle. Right. Right. We and all saw Dr. Jekyll. That's it. Yeah. And I think so often in a lot of our cases, especially nowadays with Instagram and Facebook, yeah. we're seeing only one version mm-hmm. of the majority of relationships online yeah. and in the public. And I think it's important to really humanize the fact that a lot of us are going through stuff yeah because we're human beings and we have really messed up childhoods (laughs) the research shows 90 percent of us have at least one to three at least so yeah and they said the other 10 percent are sociopath and don't admit (laughs) that they have anything wrong with them (laughs) okay so that's kind of what the research is saying right now so you've either got trauma or you're a sociopath (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, or you're not seeing it yeah, yet. Yeah. You're not yeah. seeing it. Don't know what you don't know. Well, and a lot of people too that even come into the bridge, they don't associate with the word trauma. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't have trauma. I had a good childhood. Right, that's right. And they're like, they it's normalized my... it. They normalized it. Yes. And that's all they knew. Until we start talking, until we get in a room and we start sharing our traumas. Yes. They're like, oh, wait, that happened. And a lot of times people shut off the memories of particular traumas that happened and just store it away like mm-hmm. it never happened. And they don't have memory recall of it. Well, it was like what happened with my father. Yeah. Right? My brother and I were curious kids that we were. I was a tomboy like Lexi was growing up. And we discovered my father's footlock. And we're like, oh, there's treasure in here. Yeah. Let's break in and see what's in there. And our daddy traveled the world. So unfortunately, what we found was porn and magazines and then letters from a lover, right? right? And pictures of what a 10-year-old girl should not see naked pictures of his father's lover, right? right? right. So I was like shocked and I just grabbed my brother. I said, we can never tell anyone. Yeah. Mom will leave. It'll break up the family. So yeah. now I'm the holder of this family secret at 10 years old. Right. Which is huge. It's huge, yeah. right? And I just didn't even think about that yeah, for years. Yeah, you tucked it away. Right? It never happened. Right? Yeah. And then who did I marry? Yeah. Someone that had a porn addiction that I didn't know about. Yeah. Someone who had a secret affair. Yeah. I mean, it was like identical. And yeah. I'm like, why did I pick someone just like my father? Yeah. That's what chemistry is, boys and girls. Yeah. And that's the thing. A lot of that's people are huge. like, the chemistry's not there. I'm like, oh, the chemistry's yeah. actually a little dangerous. That's right. You know, it's often our traumas and our wounds wanting to heal each other. And yes. Amago work goes into yeah. this pretty deeply and talks about we attract that which we need to heal from either yeah. our mom or our dad or our primary caretakers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when you have that slow and steady burn, yes, it's that a is healthy, better. That's more right. secure love. It should be a friendship first. Yeah. And a mutual respect and this discovery of who each other is for yeah. sure. Yes, chemistry takes you back subconsciously to what you had. Yeah. And I describe it as the icing on the cake. It's great to have some of that, the attraction factor, yes. Because yeah. you have to ask, can I make love to this person, right, obviously. Right. But what's important is the cake. Right, right Without right. the substance, you have nothing. That the icing just melts. It's, totally. And if you don't have the substance in that relationship, that chemistry is going to go away yeah. when the dysfunction patterns come out. Which they will. And they will. <laughs> so it's just super important. And unfortunately, in America, we grow up especially in America I don't know about the other countries but we grow up seeing the fairy tales yeah. the fairy tale stories the love movies the love books and that's how we learn this is what love is and no one's teaching anything else up until now yeah which is great but again we do have to be careful and conscious as yes. consumers in this world yeah. if we are looking at social media we are often only seeing one side of the picture and a lot of people there's these hashtags couple goals relationship goals and Preston and I get put into these a lot and I like to remind people that yes we have an amazing couplehood that we have designed and consciously cultivated right but it has taken a lot of tears on the floor going to our own workshop having our own coaches dealing with our own bullshit that's yeah. not fun to do but <laughs> yeah. it's necessary, necessary for us to actually evolve to that next level of actually being able to be with each other yeah wounds and all right yeah it's really important to do this inner trauma work because you have to be a successful single first before you can be a successful couple yeah and i don't mean success in the worldly sense of money i mean success in self-love and confidence and awareness and kindness and just really loving who you are first yeah because if we can't if we can't love ourselves how can we expect somebody else to truly appreciate us yeah and i actually have quite a few clients i've worked with that 
haven't done the self-love work Mm -hmm. and they're hoping the relationship will kind of like fill the void. Yes. And then they find an amazing guy or girl that's like, you're incredible and they worship them, but they still don't believe it. Yeah. Right. And then we get into this whole pattern of then they self-sabotage because they want to break it up first before the couple does. And it's just, that's one of the patterns. uh, Crazy. And I think this is why it's so important to even just know ah, here's what I might be bringing to the table. Mm -hmm. And again, if you've been making this list as you've been listening, maybe look at this list and go, interesting, okay, here's some stuff that I really get to look at and be with before I go back on Tinder, before I go back on Match or eHarmony. You want to settle this first. It's so important. And let's get to trauma number 10. Let's do it. I didn't forget about you out there. (laughs) So trauma number 10, if there was any mental illness in your Uh, mom and dad. Now, the baby boomers, our folks didn't go to counseling. Yeah. Right? So we kind of have to guess. Yeah. The two most destructive are borderline and bipolar. Yeah. Now, borderline I describe as fast trigger anger. Yeah. When they're good, they're great. When they're bad, they're horrid. Okay. And you never know what you're going to get. So as a kid, you're kind of walking on eggshells around mom's or dad's mood. Are they going to explode at us? And why? Uh, and you don't really get what it is. It leaves you very anxious. Yeah. Okay. All my people that come to me with childhood trauma have ongoing or high anxiety. It's one of the signs. They always feel anxious inside. Interesting. Yes, because over time, that uncertainty just keeps building, and you're stuck in this fight-or-flight response, right? Your conditioned tendencies are always right there, trying to survive. And it's like a black or white mentality. It's either this way, and this way is the way it is, and you guys are all crazy. That kind of black and white thinking and pushing a point on somebody, that's borderline. Ah, interesting. Okay. That's so not what I thought borderline was. So yeah. it's interesting to hear. It's fast it, right? trigger anger, huh. very uncertain moods, uncertain personality types, yeah. very insisting on their way. Yeah. Very difficult people. And then bipolar is manic depressive. Now yeah. depression can come out as checking out emotionally, extreme fatigue or anger. Yeah. Okay. And manic, people think that's the high and happy one. Well, not necessarily. It could be a sex spree, a gambling spree, an eating binge, anything spending binge, anything like that. So those are the two most difficult to deal with. Okay. I know a big buzzword floating around is narcissist today. Everyone loves that word. But you have to know there's two types of narcissists. There's a healthy narcissist and a malignant narcissist. Okay. And the malignant narcissist is at the higher scale. We look at the childhood traumas. Like every sociopath has major childhood trauma. Now what's a sociopath? Sociopath uses someone for pleasure or profit. They Uh, use people. Without empathy. They'll never apologize. They'll never make good on it. That's a sociopath. Got it. And a psychopath is a sociopath that kills. Ah, interesting. So kills without thought of the repercussions. That's right. Yeah. And just does it and thinks, I deserve to get rid of them. Yeah. They've ruined my life. Yeah. Right? The sociopath and the psychopath are malignant narcissists. Mm. Okay. The healthy narcissist might be a little bit self-centered. Yeah. But they're also doing good in the world. Uh Uh-huh. They may be self-focused a lot, but it's not to harm another Right. It's more like self-preservation. Yes. So there's a large scale of narcissists. So you can't just say my person's a narcissist. It's like what along the scale. Yeah. And it's like my childhood trauma list. When I meet with someone, it's always a puzzle. Everyone's very individualized. Yeah. Someone may have verbal abuse on a level of 10 where they're screamed at every day. Yeah. Or someone like me, maybe a three, where I never heard I love you, but I wasn't screamed at, right? But it was still hurtful, right? And it still attacks your self-worth. Right. We have to look at the levels 
and the type of traumas, and then what is coming out today presently in their love relationships or over their love history. Yeah. And why are they attracting who they're attracting? That's why I love my work. It's fascinating and very individualized. Right. And highly supportive. We should probably talk about how does this show up? Yeah, let's talk about that because we were jamming on this a little bit with some friends that were kind of around. Talk about specifically jealousy and control. Okay. When we look at what's coming up in the relationship, we always go back to the person's individual traumas. Okay. Okay. So jealousy mostly comes from trauma number seven. Okay. Not feeling good enough. Yeah. Not that personal trauma. Being bullied, being teased. Oh, you're not pretty. Right. Yeah. That was one of mine. That's one of mine too. Until yeah. I got to be a model and that kind of healed that for me. Yeah. Right. That was very healing. Anything where you don't feel pretty, you don't feel good enough. And then trauma stays stuck in your cells, yeah, right? Your, your brain and your yeah. body. And until we rid ourselves of it, acknowledge it, and then do the work around that. But that comes out later in your love relationship. So your partner could be doing all the right things to give you that love and attention. But he might just say, oh, she's pretty, walking in the room. And you just get all this anxiety feelings up inside you. Why do you have to say she's pretty? What about me? Because it flashes you back to, oh, see, you're not good enough. Yes, you're unconscious. He wouldn't have said that. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where jealousy comes from. Control is also that. Okay. It also comes from maybe trauma number three and four and five, like the abandonment. Yeah. And, you know, the emotional neglect. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't have that. I need to have that. Right. So I need to control it. And abandonment. Yeah. Yeah. Abandonment because you don't want them to leave. You hold That's on. right. You hold yeah. on too tight. And yeah. that could also lend to codependent relationships. Yeah, which are abundant these days. Yes. A lot of codependent Everybody's counting on each other yeah. and overly so and yeah. saying, well, you should do this for me and you need to yeah. do that. It becomes very demanding yeah. and very enmeshed is yeah. what we call it, too tight. It's something like lying. Yeah. Okay. I used to be with someone that lied about everything, embellished every story. I'm like, why do you have to do that? And looking back, once I learned this work that person had a very difficult father yeah who always put him down never yeah. made him feel good enough embarrassed him in front of big groups of people yeah, yeah. so that he always had to prove himself right make himself larger than life right right and it, this work was so healing for me because once I really understood why my partners did what they did then then I could forgive them right because I'm like, why would they do that to me? Right, right? You took it personal. <laughs> well, you do when you get hurt in the process so badly. Yeah. But when you come to understand it, yeah. it's like, oh, okay, I get it. He went through hell yeah. growing up, right? And he always had to prove to this father, I am good enough. See, see what I'm doing? Yeah. See, see. And then the next thing is, see how good I am? Yeah. And some people never change this pattern over yeah. the years. Yeah. You know, yeah. they never change it. So that's where lying comes in, or someone that was beaten. Mm. And as a child, it becomes a coping mechanism. So let's say a little boy gets an F on a test and his dad's going to beat him. It's like, well, I change it into an A. Right. And if they get away with it, it's like, wow, lying works. I survived. It's survival. Yeah. So it's a coping mechanism that becomes normalized with time yeah. and practice. It's just, yeah. this is what I do. Yeah. And they don't even see it in themselves. That's yeah. the crazy thing. They don't even see it in themselves. It becomes some normalized. Uh, women have a lot of people pleasing. Oh yes, that's Let's huge. talk about that. So many women in my audience write me about that. Like my people pleaser, I can't. Yes. What do I do? So this comes from when you overdo for a parent that is struggling. Yeah. To help them, help the family, help keep peace in the family. Yeah. So let's say there's a little girl that grows up with an alcoholic mother. 
Yeah. Right? Wakes up, bad mood, hungover. To keep the peace, you get your siblings ready for school. You make the lunches. You get yeah. them to the school bus just so nobody's yelling and screaming at the household. Right. And then it's like, okay, then she'll love me. Right. And that's how you learn to receive love and give love. Right. I get a lot of these when I work with couples. The woman says, she's burnt out. She's angry. She's exhausted. Yeah. You know, I do so much for my kids. I do everything for my husband. Nobody does anything for me. Yeah. And she doesn't see that her boundaries are so stretched because yeah. she is overdoing and she's not saving any time for herself right to feel love and then eventually it's just burnout and right. resentment which happens a lot and i think that comes back to why self-love is so important even having a little healthy dose of that healthy narcissism where it's like you do focus on yourself to the extent where it's like, well, I can't take care of and extend myself to other people unless I'm taking care of myself, unless I'm right. nourishing. Yeah, to be a good mom, you have to feel good in all ways. You have totally. to take your time outs and your meditation and your massage appointments. Even and... showers. I know so many moms are like, oh my God, I haven't I know, showered in a week. True. I'm like, you need to make time to shower. That's right. <laughs> I know the little things end up meaning a lot. They sure do. And then just patterns that come into relationships. It's funny, I had a couple in my office and one was from Philly yeah where I'm from and one was from the Midwest mm -hmm. and she was an Italian woman now the culture around South Philly yeah is they yell and scream at each other yeah. all the time this is normal communication you know and that's just who they are yeah and the man said to me, she yells at me all the time. Mm. You know, she can't have a normal conversation. Mm. Now, this is not on the 10 trauma list. Right. But this is cultural yeah. norms. So she looks at me. She goes, what's he mean I'm yelling at him all the time? <laughs> you know? So she repeats it to me. And I said, do you hear how your volume goes up? Yeah. And she goes, no, I don't really see it. There's five things in communication styles yeah. that I go into. And yeah. I'm always monitoring my couples. Volume, pitch, pitch tonality, yeah. right? Pace. Yeah. How fast are you saying the words? Yes. You say them too fast, it sounds aggressive. Yeah. So we look at everything. And then I also put a level scale on the traumas from 1 to 10. Yeah. Now, my ex had 9 out of the 10 traumas, hmm. level 8, 9, and 10s. Wow. And this is before I even knew this work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I wrote my book, I sent it to him. He goes, oh my God, put my picture on it. I'm the poster child. <laughs> no way. Then he goes, thank you for giving me the answers I never had. Yeah. And that's when I knew my work was really important. And then my clients in front of me, I was identifying their traumas and then the patterns in their love relationships. And when I could help them heal that yeah. and see it consciously. It's yeah. taking the unconscious and making it conscious. Totally. It's all mindset work. Yeah. And that's something, you know, Preston and I say that a lot in our work. You can't intervene in a world that you can't see. Right. And a lot of people want the intervention. They want the growth. They want the evolution. They want the partner. They want their circumstances to change, but yet they are unaware of what is the wall. And it's like, you need to know what the wall is before you can climb it's it. It's a very frustrating, sad place that I was in. Yeah. Because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And therapists don't know this work yeah. because I didn't. We didn't learn it in school, you right? You trained in it, yeah. So my clients that come to me, it's like, oh my God, I've been to six, seven therapists in one hour. Yeah. I've learned more than seven years of therapy. Right. right okay. Yeah. And I knew I was onto this. I got certified as CCTP, Certified Clinical Trauma Professional, and I kind of wear the hats of trauma professional and psychotherapist and coach because yeah. I am propelling them forward now. Yeah, yeah. The process that I describe it like a rainbow. Yeah. We're definitely starting at I don't know what I don't know. 100%.
which is where I was. Yeah. And it, I remember feeling like so lost. Yeah, you're like, all I know is my life is Just not give working. me the friggin' answers. Right. You know? <laughs> Tell me what I need to do to oh make this Oh my God, to yeah. heal, right? And then as I'm learning it, I healed and I'd slip back. Yeah. And then I'd do better than I'd slip. It's trying to get over that hump of the rainbow. But yeah. at the other side, when you're at full conscious awareness yeah. and living that 24-7, there is a pot of gold there. For sure. And then you're able to really, when you go out on a date, now my people or my singles are so empowered. Yeah. Like they know the questions to ask to identify, okay, what are their traumas and have they healed them? Yeah. I had one girl say, I went out and this guy was a gentleman. He was really like cushy all over me and it seemed really great and I asked the first question so tell me about your mom and dad yeah. right yeah so he was angry at his dad but as he says but I healed that you know before my dad died she goes well that's good just tell me about your mom oh my mother she's a pain in the ass uh, you know if right I didn't have to go to the home to see her I wouldn't right she was an alcoholic when I grew up uh, always screaming at me yeah she's always been negative in my life yeah. now this is unhealed yeah for sure because you can feel the animosity you can feel the anger yeah and the research shows a man that does not like his mother is going to be very nasty and disrespectful yeah. to his woman yeah he'll often punish her yes yeah. that's correct it's yeah. displaced yeah we call that a mother hater <laughs> that's my scientific term for it but if that's not healed yeah. you know that's not a good potential mate so yeah. no this information by being a client first and yeah. going through the process but we also respect everyone's got a little something of course right? we're all and human. it's okay yeah we're all human so with my couples what I have to do is separate and take partner a yeah. and partner B because I work with straight and LGBTQ as well so partner a and partner B and what are their individual traumas yeah and then how is it playing out in the relationship so it's three entities yeah partner a B and then the couple yeah right yeah and then we teach them to re-communicate around what their traumas are and one of the first things that happens is they don't take things so personal anymore which is huge like even if you were saying something in regards to one of your exes and when you first take it personal and you think oh my god like why are they doing this they, to me right. i've done everything right i've done all the things yeah but when you recognize at one point that these were little children you know i've got yeah. an 18 month old and looking at him it's he's so innocent and he's yeah. so malleable right you know so he's going to take on what his environment is modeling for him mm-hmm. and we have have to look at our partners in that way like they were little humans at one yeah. point that were just a product of their environment you and know then and things became normalized with time. It. and yeah. then now that normalization becomes their filter through which they see the world relationships men women all the things yeah and even as you were saying the thing about the mother haters i think about how many women i know that grew up with absent fathers or fathers that's right with abuse or alcoholism they often punish their partners too. Yes. You know, and it's like, it's that Oh, it goes both ways. For sure. Yeah. But I just wanted to star and asterisk that because I know so many women that have trouble attracting the man. Yeah, because they're still angry. They're still angry at their yeah. father. Now, again, that's a woman that would have abandonment issues. Yep. Uh, people with abandonment issues may tolerate toxic or abusive relationships and keep going back. Yeah, to try and Forgiving, yep. you know, to try and give them another chance and then another chance and another chance. But they don't do the deep work individually yep. or, and as a couple if they're yep. in this coupled relationship. And very often, the woman will want to come for help and then yeah. the man will refuse yeah because he doesn't want to be identified right i said well let's start with you yeah. because when you start changing 
the relationship of that couple does change. Sure does. So it changes the whole context. It so. does. And she will either find, I've had enough. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. And I'm fine on my own and yeah. I can do this and I want someone who's emotionally healthy. And when she gets strong and confident, he knows she's almost out the door. And now that's when down. they usually come in <laughs> yeah, to see exactly. me. Uh, Rihanna, hey, can I still come yeah. in? Does that offer still stand? I'm like, yep, it's yeah. still there. Yeah. You ready? Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. they will take it seriously because yeah. that one person they have abused for years because right. they still depend on them. Yeah. It's proven people of trauma attract people of trauma. Yeah. Definitely. So when the honeymoon phase is the first 90 days. Yeah. And I always hear people, well, if we can only get it back to the beginning. You can't. You can't. You know? <laughs> Stop trying. <laughs> and then, this is fascinating too, from four months to the first year yeah. when things start getting serious. So commitment, living together, engagement, marriage, or a child. Yeah. This is when the stuff starts coming out. Oh, yeah. When yeah. The, these challenges come up, transition yeah. in life, right? And so, it's so funny. We were just talking the other day to a friend of ours who was maybe potentially pregnant, mm-hmm. and things aren't going well in that relationship. And we were just joking how a lot of people think a baby will fix the relationship. Oh. I'm like, a baby is an amplifier. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, you want an amplifier? Yeah. Have a baby, move in together, move to another state together. Like, That's any right. transitions are yeah. these massive amplifiers because what was once secure and controlled mm-hmm. is now completely uncontrollable. Right. So now all of this stuff comes up, all the insecurities, all the anxieties. Yes. It's an amplifier. And, you know, some people say, oh, that relationship failed. It's like you have to be gentle with yourself and I've gone through this where I've dated someone for several months I'm like he's a wonderful person he's just not right for me yeah he's not my guy I let them go with love yeah and compassion right because again everyone's perfect in that first three to four months 100% and once you see other things emerging or not coming up or they're not consistent with their word right then you have this work done you're strong enough to say you're lovely but we're just not a right match And you can let them go with love and compassion. And that's the thing, too. I think having the awareness helps you see the red flags with a lot more clarity. Yes. And a lot more certainty. Because a lot of times, looking back on relationships, we can go, oh, I kind of saw that red flag. Mm -hmm. But I made it orange. Yeah. You know, or like, or I made it yellow. Or everybody's got a little something. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we make excuses. And we often see these little signs early on in a relationship that later on become the things. Yeah. And I think a lot of times if we have the awareness of like, is this something that is a trauma that is unhealed? That is something within me that is calling up my trauma and I need to work on, whether it's on my side or his side, that's our responsibility to get really clear about it and go, okay, what do I choose based on this knowledge? Right. And we do have to look at what are we bringing into the relationship? What was our responsibility? What was our part? Right. Some of my people keep waiting for the apology. Yeah. And I said, if they're sociopathic, it won't come. Mm. And you have to release that. Love yourself and forgive yourself. And all you did was love somebody. Yeah. If they hurt you and they're not apologizing for it, then it's just what is. Yeah. And let it go. Yeah. Because you don't want to be stuck in that anger. Yeah. You have to be, forgive it still. Yeah. And do the best you can with that pain and just move forward. Totally. Well, listen, we can jam on this all day, but we <laughs> yes. literally have to get you to the airport soon. <laughs> so wrapping this up, what would you say for those who have made the list? Mm-hmm. They're kind of looking at, okay, here's, oh, I checked off these ones. Yes. 
here's what's showing up for me. What's the next step for them? What do okay. they do with this? Well, there's deeper information. My free ebook okay. is at havetheloveyoudeserve.com. Okay. And I'll put com. this in the show notes. Too. Okay. And then on my website, there's more love tests. There's one for couples, the red flag checklist. There's one, are you really ready for a relationship? Okay. Okay. And they're free. Yeah. And I get a copy and you get a copy of the test and I'll interpret it for you. That's at rihannamilne.com. And there's free book chapter downloads of our book. Live Beyond Your Dreams, From Fear and Doubt to Personal Power, Purpose, and Success. And then the love book is there too. And then there's an invitation to talk with me. If you really want to dive deeper for an hour, just sign up for the Life and Love Transformation Discovery Session. And I'll be glad to meet with you by Skype if you're single or Zoom if you're a couple Mm -hmm. and both of you want to attend. And we will dive deep into what the traumas are, where you're stuck. So you get some understanding because that's the first piece. You have to understand go from there. Yeah, I love it. All right. Awesome. Well, as always, if you enjoyed this episode, if you got some value from it, make sure you share with me online. Usually on Instagram is best. And just let me know what you're taking away from this, what opened up for you, what excited you, what was your big aha. And thank you as always for spending your time with me. I value time as the greatest commodity on the planet. So thank you for spending this time with me. And I hope you have a wonderful, beautiful day wherever you are in the world. And that ends Alexi Panis' Unleashed podcast. And that is all we have time for today, my love angels and transformers. Again, I want to thank Alexi Panis for having me on her podcast show, my beautiful daughter, and for making me such a proud and happy mom. And so glad to be a grandmom with her beautiful son, Kingston, and for bringing Preston into our lives. I appreciate you sharing the love and the mission of my show, Lessons in Life and Love, and helping us to change the way the world loves by sending the show link to your friends and those you care about. Please take a moment to subscribe to our show and give me a five-star rating and a comment on what you like about the show and anything you might want to learn in an upcoming podcast episode. You can easily share the show from the site LessonsInLifeAndLove.com or on your favorite app. Remember, you can reach out to me for help during the week at my website, RihannaMilne.com. Get tons of free resources there. Get my free ebook book at havetheloveyoudeserve.com and also single ladies be sure to sign up for Saturday September 28th 2019 my six-hour free coaching workshop called from surviving to thriving succeeding in life love and career an online virtual reinvention workshop it's from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. eastern but space is extremely limited because it is live and interactive so I hope to see you in that important class And as always, I am here to help you create the life that you desire and to have the love that you deserve. Have a blessed and fabulous week. We want to thank you for joining us on this episode of Lessons in Life and Love with Coach Rihanna Milne. Go to RihannaMilne.com for more resources. If you're really ready to take action to improve your life or love situation, apply now for a session with Rihanna. And remember, it's time to have the life you desire and the love you deserve.